Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Jalal al-Shami. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. All praises due to Allah, may Allah send his peace and blessings upon his final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We begin another uh, or a new chapter. Uh, related to prayer, but specifically related to the Jumu'ah prayer. As you know, the Jumu'ah prayer is the obligatory congregational prayer that is done on Fridays. And it is a special prayer that's uh, done in our congregation and is preceded by a sermon and then a prayer which occurs at Dhuhr time and fulfills the Dhuhr prayer. Now even though it's an obligation, and it's something that Muslims do week in, week out, and it's obligatory upon the men, on the males, whereas the females are not obligatory, it's optional for them to attend. So even though you have men that come and attend, uh, the Jumu'ah prayer, Salatul Jumu'ah, every Friday, leaving their work, uh, sometimes going through a lot of hardship, sometimes trying to manage with their work and with their clients or with their bosses and their managers, sometimes you know trying to you know maneuver to facilitate their religious duty. At the same time with their work commitments, because as you know in Western countries uh, that it is a normal work day or even school day. So a lot of people as well find challenges when they're at school, if they don't go to a Muslim school, if they go to a, a government school, especially if there aren't very many Muslim students, they find a lot of challenges. And despite all of those challenges and hardships, some people they do attend Salatul Jumu'ah but they fall into major mistakes. Sometimes even mistakes that would jeopardize the rewards or sometimes even jeopardize the validity of the Salatul Jumu'ah. So inshallah we'll be speaking about some of these issues. The first issue the Sheikh mentions uh, in uh, of the common misconceptions or common mistakes concerning the Jumu'ah, the Friday prayer, is specifying the night of Jumu'ah with night prayers and the day of Jumu'ah with fasting. So some people, uh, they understand that Jumu'ah is a special day. And it is a special day for the Muslims. It's a day of their congregational prayers. But it doesn't mean that we should then add and institute worships that were not instituted by the Prophet ﷺ. So they say, since it's a holy day, we should do extra worships. And so we should pray of Jumu'ah, do special prayers on the eve of Jumu'ah. We should fast the day of Jumu'ah. And sometimes, you know, uh, you might find some people who do this, especially people who may be affected by other religions and cultures that do similar things. So for example, the Jews, their holy day is which day? Saturday. Okay, so uh, they will sometimes precede their Sabbath 
with special worships. And maybe they may spend the Sabbath day in fasting. Likewise, the Christians, their main holy day is Sunday. And they even have special worships that they do on the eve of Sunday. On Saturday night they have special mass, they call it, special prayers that they do on the eve of Sunday. And as well on their, on the eve of their special occasions, the eve of Easter and the eve of Christmas and so on, they do special worship, they have a special mass, their special jama'ah prayer. And they might even as well fast that day since it's a holy day. But as Muslims, we should not take, you know, uh, uh, follow the path of other religions. But rather, we should follow the path of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has instituted for us and legislated for us in worship, that's what we should do. How about the things he didn't institute? Can we go and institute it ourselves? No. If we come and we start to say, for example, that doing night prayers, the eve of Jum'ah is something holy, or doing... Fasting on the day of Jum'ah is something holy, then this is not allowed, specifying it. But if we normally pray night prayers and it happens to be the eve of Jum'ah, no problem. But to specify it is not correct. Some people may come and say, but the Prophet ﷺ did not specifically forbid it. The Prophet ﷺ does not have to specifically forbid every action. Because when it comes to worships, we do not perform any worship unless it's been instituted. Unless there is evidence to back it up. So actually it's the, the wrong understanding. They say, well, the Prophet didn't say it's haram, so we can do it. We say no. When it comes to worships, all worships are forbidden unless that which is instituted. Because then if we institute worships ourselves, then this is adding and innovating, creating a new thing in the religion which has no precedence, which in Arabic is called a muhdatha. And the Prophet ﷺ said, وَشَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارِ Every newly invented matter that has no religious precedence, is a bid'ah. And every bid'ah, innovation in the religion, is a dalala, is a misguidance, and every misguidance is in the hellfire. So, it is prohibited, as we said, to do special prayers on the eve of Jumu'ah. You find some people that may do special prayers on the eve of the 15th of Sha'ban. And thou what they call Laylat Bara'a, they say you should do special prayers, night prayers, the eve of the 15th of Sha'ban, and you should fast the day of 15th of Sha'ban. As well, this has no evidence. Some people, they'll fast the eve of Eid. Uh, sorry, they will do night prayers on the eve of Eid. They may even fast on the day of Eid. And the fasting of the day of Eid is explicitly forbidden by the Prophet ﷺ. As for prayers on the eve of Eid, doing night prayers on the eve of Eid, there is no authentic uh, basis for that. So anyway, when it comes to Jum'ah, 
praying night prayers specifically on just because it's the eve of Eid, believing that there's some virtue and special uh, virtue in praying night prayers because it's the eve of Jumu'ah and fasting the day of Jumu'ah, this is prohibited based on the narration of Muhammad ibn Ubad ibn Ja'far who said, سألت جابر رضي الله عنه أنها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن صيام يوم الجمعة فقال نعم محمد ابن عباد ابن جعفر he said I asked جابر جابر the great sahabi of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم so I asked him did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم forbid fasting on Fridays he replied yes so fasting on Fridays is Forbidden. The Prophet وسلم, he said, لا تختصوا ليلة الجمعة بقيام من بين الليالي ولا تختصوا يوم الجمعة بصيام من بين الأيام إلا أن يكون في صوم يصومه أحدكم. He said, do not single out the night of Friday from other nights for standing in prayer. Now don't specifically select Friday that I, because Friday is a holy day. That means the eve of Friday, the night before Friday is a holy night. So I want to. Pray night prayer specifically for that. Don't do that. And do not sing out Fridays from other days for fasting. Oh, I want to fast today because it's Friday. Don't do that unless it is part of a fast that one of you regularly observes. So let's say, for example, happens, Friday happens to be, you know, one of the white days, the 13th, 14th, 15th of the month. And you fast for that reason, not because it's Friday, but for another reason, then it's allowed. But do not specify Friday itself for the sake of it being Friday. Okay? So that's the first thing in regards to Jumu'ah. There is no legislated night prayers that is done specifically for the sake of it being the eve of Friday, nor fasting on the day of Friday. That's the first issue. Second issue, the indifference towards listening to the Friday sermon or talking while the Imam is delivering the sermon. So, you have some people that they will come to me as an imam. They will say, Sheikh, when does the Salatul Jum'ah begin? I say, Salatul Jum'ah begins at one o'clock. They say, but when is the khutbah? I say, the khutbah begins at one o'clock. They say, but when is the salah? I say, well, it depends how long the khutbah is. There's no, you have to come from the khutbah. Some people, they don't care to listen to the khutbah. I say generally the khutbah is say 15 minutes. Like, okay, I'll come at 1.15. They will purposely, they don't care, they don't care about listening to khutbah. They just want to make the salah. This is incorrect. A person should come from the beginning to attend the khutbah as well as the salah. So having indifference and not caring about attending the khutbah. Or sometimes they attend the khutbah but he's on his phone. Or he's talking to his friend. Or he's daydreaming, not trying to concentrate. Some people they say, but the Imam speaking Arabic. Doesn't matter. S- listen. Try to pick up some words. Try to have some understanding. How many people, because of their listening, they start to pick up a little bit every week, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I know a brother who learned Japanese because he watched Japanese, uh, what's that, this cartoons called? Uh, anime. He learned Japanese. Another one who learned Hindi because he watches Bollywood. Another one who learned Turkish because he watches the Turkish the Musal Salat, the drama shows. But Arabic, subhanallah. 
our ears doesn't, doesn't work for Arabic, subhanAllah. No, we have to expose your ears to Arabic in the khutbah. Okay, I'm not encouraging you to watch uh, you know, movies and sitcoms, but Islamic lectures. Some people, as soon as Arabic, the sheikh speaks Arabic, their ears switch off. Why? Try to connect familiar words. Try to understand the gist. If you don't understand, after the lesson or the khutbah, go and ask the sheikh. Go and ask a brother. What did the sheikh speak about? He said he mentioned this, this, and that. But he said he kept mentioning a word that you know a certain word. What does that word mean? Khalas. And then you put it in your vocabulary every time. Then you will benefit. But just sitting in the khutbah, whether the khutbah is in a language that you understand and are fluent in, or sometimes even in a language that you are fluent in, speaks perfect English, but still our brains are in Honolulu. In a Honolulu, and he's on holiday, sitting on the beach in Hawaii. Not here, somewhere else. Okay? So we have to concentrate when we are attending the khutbah. Listening to the Friday sermon and remaining silent has been affirmed in many hadith, as well as the prohibition of speaking and not listening to the sermon. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِذَا قُلْتَ لِصَاحِبِكَ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ أَنصِتْ وَالْإِمَامُ يَخْطُبْ فَقَدْ لَغَوْتْ He said, if you say to your companion when the Imam is preaching on Friday, the Imam is giving the khutbah and, you, and your friend is talking, or your friend is you know, distracting himself, and you tell him, shh, you're not allowed to talk in Jum'ah. What happens? Your Jum'ah is finished. Your Jum'ah, your reward is zero. You know, you have, you know, you go on your calculator, do 1,000. One th- keep putting zero, zero, one, 1,000, 100,000, 1 million, one, and then do times zero. What happens to that huge million, billion number? Times zero, what does it become? Zero. Put 99.9999999 the biggest number you can fit in your calculator, do times zero, becomes zero. That's what happens if you talk during the khutbah. All of that reward, you tied yourself in fighting with your boss and running away and the customers waiting and whatever, traffic and parking and running in the hot, sweating and everything, and then you sit in Jumat and you see your friend, oh, assalamualaikum, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. Just that, even salam alaikum, even saying salam alaikum in the khutbah, time zero. Zero. Right? He said, فَقَدْ لَغَوْتِ يعني You have engaged in idle talk or that you have يعني, ended your Jum'ah. The statement, the Prophet ﷺ said, يعني, listen attentively. The statement, listen attentively, interrupts the Imam, even though the interruption might. And even though you're telling your friend to do something good, true or not, he's talking, you're telling him, shh, be quiet, listen to the khutbah. You're doing something good, because if everyone does that, what will happen? It will distract the imam while he's giving his khutbah. Right? And this is as it relates to the person who gives advice to the one talking. So how about the one who initiates the conversation? So if this person is telling, he's doing something good, ideally... He's doing something good, telling his friends, be quiet, you're not allowed to talk in the khutbah. Listen to the imam. It's seemingly something good. This ruins his jummah. Then how about the one who's talking? If you're not even allowed to speak good things, then how about someone who's just talking random things? Right? 
Al-Hafid said the explanation Sahih Bukhari, if the statement listen attentively, even though it is enjoining the good, it is considered idle talk, then every other type of speech is more befitting to be labeled as idle talk. Right? Wallahi, I've, I've uh, experienced as a khatib, regular khatib, people, their phone rings in the Jum'ah, and a brother took his phone out, I thought he's gonna, you know, silence the phone. He answered the phone. I thought, khair. Maybe he's just gonna say, oh, I mean, salat of Jum'ah, I'll call you back in a second. He's conversating, mashallah. And then I called him out in front of everyone. And some brothers, they said, oh, you embarrassed. I said, he embarrassed himself. The Prophet ﷺ, once a man, he came late and he kept, he once he came late and he wants to climb over everyone to get to the front, find the spot and squeeze everyone out of the way so he can sit in the front. The Prophet ﷺ, he said to him, Ijlis faqad adayt, sit down. You have harmed the people. Someone who does something public should be shamed public. So as to show everyone that it's unacceptable and so that they will learn not to do that or else the sheikh, the imam, the khatib will stop the khutbah and tell you to be quiet. I was playing on his phone. And this time uh, the brother, I didn't mention him by name, I said, the brother playing with your phone, put your phone away. In the middle of the khutbah, talking about something, he's playing with his phone. And everyone's looking around, who's playing with his phone? And the brother said, oh, you embarrassed him. I said, I didn't embarrass him. He embarrassed himself. I didn't mention his name. This is a big problem. Almost every Jum'ah you have people doing this. What's happening to their salah? What, why are they coming then? Why are they coming? So either they're ignorant, they need to be educated, or they know, but they're careless. And even if you don't know, how can you do something? You know, educate yourself about it. You come to Salat al-Jum'ah, you have to know the rules of Salat al-Jum'ah. You come to pray, you have to know the rules of prayer. You, 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 you're fasting, you have to know the rules of fasting. Someone in Ramadan, he's drinking water. Oh, I didn't know they're not allowed to drink water. I thought it's like a 40-hour famine, you're just not allowed to eat. You're allowed to have sugar, uh, sugar cubes and water. In a 40-hour phone, do they still do that anyway? It's back in my days, huh? Huh? No? Okay, they used to do something called the 40-hour famine. They used to say, you know, try to feel like how the people in poor countries who are living in famine, so for 40 hours, a day and a half, you don't have any food. But they say you're allowed to drink water and have like sugar cane or something like that. All right? That's their fasting for the 40-hour famine. Someone says, oh, I thought it's Muslim fasting like that. No, you have to educate yourself. You want to give zakat, you have to educate yourself about zakat. You want to do business, you have to educate yourself as a Muslim what is halal and haram about business. You want to get married, you have to learn about marriage. You, you want to divorce, you have to learn about what's halal and haram the correct way. It's not an excuse for a person to say, oh, I didn't know. Everything you do, you have to educate yourself so that you make sure you're doing it correctly and not doing anything that makes it invalid or something that's sinful. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> another thing, and this is a big issue. Buying and selling after the second adhan. Buying and selling after the second adhan. Buying and selling is not permissible after the adhan. So once the adhan of Salatul Jum'ah has been called, you are not allowed to do any trade. 
And this is from the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu idha nudiya lissalati min yawmil jumaati fas'aw ila dhikrillahi wa dharul bay'a. ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Oh, you have believed when the call is proclaimed for the prayer on Friday, the Jum'ah, the Adhan of Salatul Jum'ah comes, فَاسْعَوْ إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Come rushing to the remembrance of Allah. وَذَرُوا الْبَيْعَ And leave business. ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ That is better for you if you did but know. What's better, to keep your business open, keep working, make more money, or to leave, close your business and go to Salat al-Jum'ah? Close your, but if you look at it, if you ask most people, but you're going to go, maybe a customer's going to come, you could have made extra business, extra money. Even though it might seem like it's something good, to go to Salat al-Jum'ah is better. We have a problem now. You have some brothers that have a business. Let's say he has a coffee shop. In Salatul Jumu'ah time, what does he do? Huh? He goes, maybe he goes, he says to his partner, he says, I'll go to this masjid, they pray at 1 o'clock, and then you go to the other masjid, they pray at 1.30. Okay? Or they have two sessions. I go to the first session and come back, and you go to the second session and come back. That way there's always someone in the shop. Or they say, it's obligatory for the man to go to Salatul Jum'ah. So on Friday, I make sure I have off. So I go to Salatul Jum'ah, let the female staff continue running the business. Or I have some non-Muslim staff running the business. I have a convenience store, coffee shop, a butcher, baker, a clothing shop. Doesn't matter. Don't want to shut the shop. Go to Salatul Jum'ah. This business that's happening, operating, Buying and selling transactions during Salatul Jumu'ah time is haram. It's haram. Even if you are not working, even if it's women working the business, even if it's non-Muslim working the business, even if someone else is going to pray Jumu'ah, he's not missing Jumu'ah, still the operation of the business and transactions during Jumu'ah time is haram. And that money is haram. What's the solution then? Shut the business down. I put a sign. This is prayer time. Can you do that? Who does that but? Very hard. What does Allah say? That is better for you if only you know. But you know some people do this. You know who does this? Kuffar, they do this. Non-Muslims. Very hard for Muslim. But non-Muslims, they do this. You know when they do it? We, Allah calls Salatul Jum'ah what? Fas'aw ila dhikrillah. Go to the remembrance of Allah. The Kuffar, they also have remembrance. But not remembrance of Allah. They have Remembrance Day. Have you heard of Remembrance Day? What's Remembrance Day? Ah, they remember the Anzacs, correct? You know during Anzac Day, Remembrance Day, you are not allowed to do trade. If you open your business during Remembrance Day, you get a fine from the government. They shut their business down and they say this is Remembrance Day. 
take this time to remember. They remember what's important to them. What's important to them is the Anzacs. They all say, minute silence, no one talk. That's what's important to them. What's important to you, O Muslim? Also to do remembrance. But what's important for you to remember? Remember Allah. Shut your business down and put this as remembrance. I'm remembering Allah. This is what's important to me. You want to take remembrance? Go do remembrance. In this, I come to your shop. I want to buy coffee. I want to buy your butcher. I want to buy meat. I find the roller shutter down. I say remembrance. Put on the sign, this is remembrance. I'm remembering what's important to me. If you don't like it, then you remember what's important to you. Stand in front of the shop and do a remembrance of the Anzacs until the shop opens. Since you like the Anzacs so much, then do that. Do whatever you like to do remembrance of. I like to do remembrance of Allah. That's not good enough for you. What's important to you? Do remembrance of it. That you find worthy of shutting your business down. Don't blame me. Someone says, oh, this is, you know, your babe. Go somewhere else then. If it's important to you, then you do what Allah says. فَاسْعَوْا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَذَرُوا الْبَيْعَ Then rush to the remembrance of Allah and leave work. Leave trade. Allah says, doesn't, doesn't say, وَذَرُوا الْعَمَلِ He says, وَذَرُوا الْبَيْعَ Leave business, leave transactions. Do not uh, operate. No operation. No even يعني, opportunity to buy and sell in the hour of Jummah. Trade is prohibited after the Adhan, meaning the second Adhan. You know, the actual Adhan of the Jum'ah time. And the translation at this time is invalid. Transaction, sorry, at this time is invalid because the prohibition necessitates it being invalid. So I said this is going to be a very uh, you know, difficult and controversial thing. But this is and very, very hard for Muslims to do and very rare for any Muslim to do. Some people, they say on Fridays we have half day. Or for example, some people, they have lunch hour. They say we, we open business from 8 to 1. And then from 1 to 2, we have lunch. The business is closed 1 to 2, then 5 or 6, we're open again. Because we need time to rest as well. If you want to put the reason why you close your business, you can. And if you choose not to say, this is our break time. No one forces me to open my business, correct or not? Can anyone force you to open your business? Is it against the law to close your business at that time? It's up to you. What's stopping you then? What's stopping you? Money. Because some people might get upset. Oh, I came to your shop and your shop was closed. Yeah, bad luck. Maybe make it clear to the customer at this time. Fridays, for example, from 1 to 2, it's closed. And then they know, they know what to do. Sometimes you go to a shop and they say back in 10 minutes, back in 15 minutes, because there's only one person working in the shop and they need to go to the toilet. They can't leave their shop open. They shut the shop and they say back in five, five minutes, back in 10 minutes, back in 15, or they want to go and get lunch. They go and they come back and open the shop. Sometimes it happens, correct? Why? Why is it okay for them if they want to have a break, if they want to go to lunch, if they want to whatever, but it's not okay for you? you it, it is okay for you. No one's saying it's not okay for you, but it's up to you. I, I think I've shared this story before. Once, my uncle 
in Lebanon, he told me this story. That once he went to a shop, and he found the door of the shop locked. But it had a window, you know, the window of the shop and the window at the door. He could see the, the owner of the shop or the worker. He's inside, he's praying. This is not Jumu'ah time, this is just normal salah. I think Zuhur or Asr, something like that. He locked the shop and he's praying inside the shop. He locked it so he doesn't want any customer to disturb him. And so my uncle is seeing him inside, he's praying. And he's not praying, Allah, quickly, Allah, because I have to come and open the shop and maybe a customer is waiting, don't want to make them frustrated and upset. He's praying so slow, so taking his time. MashaAllah, beautiful, long rukur, long standing, long sujood, doing tasbih, doing dhikr, doing dua, doing qira'ah. And my uncle is just waiting like this guy, what's wrong with him? He's a business, he's gonna, maybe he, uh, I will walk away. You lose business, lose a customer. But he just wanted to see what this guy is doing, crazy guy. And then finally he finished his prayer, he came and opened the door, he said, come in. He said, why did you do that for? He said, you know, I was praying. He said, yeah, I pray as well, but I don't pray like that. <laughs> I don't quickly pray and say, your, your customer, you could have lost the customer. He said, but I didn't. Because if Allah has written this risk for you to be my customer and risk to come, see, Allah made you stand there. Allah made you wait for me. If you, this is my risk, it's going to come to me. No one forced you to stand there and wait for me and watch me. No one forced you. You could have went to another shop. What made you stand there and wait for me? Allah. It's a very powerful story. My uncle still, until now, doesn't understand why he's doing that. He still thinks he's crazy. But no, this is the right thing to do. Because there's nothing in the world more important than our salah. Nothing in the world that's more important. Wallahi, if you were to die after that salah, you wouldn't regret that you missed a customer. You'd regret that you didn't improve your salah. There's nothing in the world's more important than that. Nothing in the world, no matter how much customers you lose, nothing is more important than missing your salat al-jum'ah or disobeying Allah by having your business operational during the time of salat al-jum'ah. Wallahi, teach people a lesson. Wallahi, even non-Muslims will respect you for that. You respect and you honor what's important to you. That's why, like, I didn't mean to say in a, uh, yani, a joking way or make fun of people. I respect people. If they honor something, that's up to them to honor it. If something's important to them, if Anzac Day, remember the Anzac is important to them, then so be it. I might not agree to it. I'm on, uh, as a priority for me, the remembrance of Allah is more important than the remembrance of human beings. Because the rights of Allah over me are greater than the rights of others. But it's interesting that they say that. They say Remembrance Day. To remember what's important. Lest we forget. We say as well, lest we forget. We have to remember just in case we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. سَنُذَكِّرُكَ فَلَا تَنْسَى We remind you so that you don't forget. So every time we pray, we remember Allah. Because if we didn't pray, what would happen to us? We'd forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always makes you remember Him. By your salah and by whatever happens in your life, it's an opportunity to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
Anyway, so that is with Salatul Jumu'ah and trade, doing business, having transactions during Salatul Jumu'ah time. Point number four, praying after the Adhan when the Imam enters. This is what the commoners call the Sunnah prayers of Jumu'ah. So some people, as soon as the Adhan is called, and the Imam, the Imam comes up, says Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and then the Adhan is called, some people, they, come up, they stand up and they pray to Raka'ah. They say, this is Sunnah to Jumu'ah, Sunnah of Jumu'ah. There is no, once the Imam stands, no Musala. You have to sit and listen. Before the Imam comes to the Masjid, pray as many Sunnah prayers as you want. Two by two by two by two, as much as Allah allows you to pray. But when the Imam comes, you finish your prayers and you listen to the Imam. Okay, so praying to Raka'ah when the Imam enters is from the common mistakes. This prayer is not Sunnah and is not, was not done by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah he said, after Bilal completed calling the Adhan, the Prophet Sallallahu began delivering the sermon and no one stood and prayed to Raka'at ever. And there was only one Adhan. This is proof that Jumu'ah prayer is similar to Eid prayer. There are no sunnah prayers before it. And this is the most correct statement of the scholars, and this is proven by the sunnah. Then he said, Those who think that when Bilal completed calling the adhan, all of the companions stood and prayed to rak'ah, then they are the most ignorant people of the sunnah. This is what proves that there are no sunnah prayers before Jumu'ah. This is what the madhab of Malik, Ahmad, and one of the views of the companions of al-Shafi'i. Okay, so there's no sunnah prayer before the Jum'ah. But there is a sunnah of when you enter the masjid, which is tahayt al-masjid. And when you're awaiting the Jum'ah to pray turaka, turaka, turaka until the Imam comes. Okay, point number five, stepping over the people. And I mentioned to you already that this is something wrong. If you come late, then try to find an empty space closest to you. Okay, in the closest availability. But don't jump over people to get to the front in a place there's no spot there. Because if there was a spot, already someone would have taken it. There's like half a spot. So what do they do? They want to, he thinks he's a mouse or something. And mashallah, he's an elephant. And he thinks, and he, you know, squeezes in this half spot and shuffling people, annoying the, everyone around him so that he can come and sit in the front. Or whichever position he likes. No, you sit in a place where there is an available spot without annoying anyone. And especially not stepping over people. This is prevalent mistake and it harms those worshippers who arrived early. So if you want a good spot, you want a front spot, then come early. Hadith the read by Abdullah bin Busur prohibited this. He said, جَاءَ رَجُلٌ يَتَخَطَّى رِقَابَ النَّاسِ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ وَالنَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَخْطُبْ فَقَالَ لَهُ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِج a man came and started stepping over people one Friday. He's trying to get to the front, stepping over people's necks and knocking their heads off. You know, some people they step, you know, oh, sorry, and he you know, knocks your head off, right? Jumping over people, annoying everyone, everyone's concentrating, listening to the khutbah of the Prophet وسلم, and, and he just got too much. This guy's nice. Then the Prophet وسلم, said to him, while he's delivering the khutbah, he said, sit down for you have annoyed the people. Number six, prolonging the sermon while shortening the prayer. 
So this is a mistake that many Imams and Khatibs make. So not only the common people make mistakes, sometimes even our Imams and Khatibs make mistakes. So one of the mistakes of the Imams or the Khatibs is making long khutbah, making the salah so short. Oh, we took a long time in the khutbah, so we have to quickly do the salah. Which is more important, the khutbah or the salah? The salah. So the khutbah should be short and the salah should be longer. Not long, but longer. Okay, so making a long sermon, long khutbah and short prayer, this is opposite to the sunnah. This opposes the sunnah. The sunnah is to shorten the sermon, making it straightforward with no filler, no extra talk, just straight to the point. While lengthening the prayer, Abdullah bin Abi Awfa said, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ the Messenger of Allah used to make the prayer long while keeping the sermon short. And Ammar ibn Yasir said, I heard of the Messenger of Allah say, he said, a man's lengthening his prayer and shortening his sermon is a sign of his understanding of religion. So make your prayers lengthy and your sermon brief, for there is some eloquent speech which is magic. So sometimes just having a short khutbah that's very eloquent could have mystifying effect on people, could really affect people. Some people think the more you talk, the more people it's going to affect people. It doesn't. Sometimes just having a short talk is more effective on, on the people, and the people remember it. But what happens when you have a long talk? People don't remember, people doze off, people's attention span is very small. Or even if they're trying to remember everything you said, but they, they remember the first point, and the second point, and the third point. And then once they get up to the fourth point, what was the first point again? What was the second point again? They start to lose track. How much can they remember? There could be people, some people who... You know, one hour khutbah, they know it all. They, you know, they, they memorize everything in it. But not all people are like that. And Salat al-Jum'ah is a time for the common Muslim. Some people, they give a khutbah like it's a dars for a student of knowledge. Not everyone is up to that ability. Some khatibs, they say, this is the only time we have to talk to the people. So we want to, like, they don't attend lessons to seek knowledge. So we have to give them full dars during the khutbah. This is not the time for it. And even these people are not interested. Even when you give them the khutbah, they're not going to be interested. Whoever's not interested is not interested. But give a short khutbah to buy their interest. Then you can say, for example, tonight we're having an extended lesson on this topic. Next week or this, whatever, we have lessons every Mondays and Thursdays, for example, between Maghrib and Isha discussing this issue. That way those who are interested will come. But it's not an excuse because people don't come. And this has always been the case. Even in the time of Rasulullah Do you think all the people attended the masjid all the time and attended the lessons all the time? That's why in Jum'ah time, in Eid time, it's a time of, that's why it's called Jum'ah prayer. Because it jamma'annas, it gathers the people and congregates the people that you don't get all the time. So the hadith comprises the command to lengthen the prayer and shorten the sermon, it combines his statement, his action, and his command. So the Prophet ﷺ said, make the khutbah short and the salah long. He said it. And he did it 
and he commanded it. Okay, so that's why our dars is long, but it's not a khutbah. Alright, so it's okay for our dars to be long. Alright, so we only have, uh, يعني, inshallah, two more points. Touching stones or fidgeting with dhikr beads or the like. In the time of Rasulullah he didn't have lush, mashallah, Turkish carpets like we have here. In the time of Rasulullah what was the ground furnished with? It was furnished with the natural earth. So imagine the natural earth outside. What does the natural earth outside have? Dirt and stones. So that's how the floor of Allah's Messenger, of the Masjid of Allah's Messenger was. And the roof was made of what? Palm tree leaves. No dome, no minaret. The, uh, the poles that held up the ceiling were made up of the palm trunks. And the walls were made up of mud bricks. Some people, if the masjid isn't, mashallah, marble stone, crystal chandeliers, big dome. Ah, this is not a good enough masjid. We need multi-million. Wallahi, one of the masajid, just the stone cost over a million dollars. Just the marble stone, just the decorative stone. They paid for a hand... Calligraphy, Asma'ullah al-Husna. I don't know how many millions. Why? Ah, because nice masjid. Then if you prayed in the masjid of Rasulullah, what would you say then? Huh? My masjid in Reevesby. It's in a what? If you visited my masjid in Reevesby. It's a factory unit. Some people say, oh, I don't like to pray in this is a factory unit. I want to pray in a masjid. MashaAllah. Why? Because it's not you know, nice huh? architecture, nice building. Then if it's about the building, then what would you have done if you were in the time of Rasulullah Praying on the dirt, on the uh, palm trees when it rains, the rain drips on your head. What would you do? It's not about the look. It's about the, what's taught what you're there for the meaning one masjid since I was born they're building the masjid until now they haven't finished it you can figure out which masjid I'm talking about alright they pray in a what's it called a, like a carrot what's that called like a temporary building it's like a caravan what's it called these outbuildings well, like the one outside. Uh, like a container, like a, it's a temporary building. They've been praying that for 10, 20 years. Just a temporary building. And I prayed there once. And my friend was with me. My friend's one of these people he likes a nice, nice, nice. Anyway, so after we finished praying, prayed Salat al-Isha, and he said, oh, I can't wait until they finish the masjid. I said, why? What's wrong with the prayer that we just prayed now? What's wrong with the prayer? They're like, is our prayer that we just prayed now, is it less rewarding? Less khushur? And yani we were praying the nice fancy masjid. It's, our, our salah is going to be 100,000, yani? It's like praying in the haram. Wallahi, how much now these masjid 
This Rasulullah sallallahu he warned against this. This is one of the signs of the hour that people decorate the masajid. People compete in building masajid. We have the largest masjid in Australia. Everyone has the largest masjid in Australia now. No, no, this one is the largest masjid in Australia. This one was collected $5 million for this masjid. This one has collected $7 million for this masjid. This one has the biggest dome. This one has, this one has the design of I don't know which emperor. Looks like this masjid in blah blah country. Why? This one looks like a museum because this is what the Prophet ﷺ said that this is one of the signs of the hour that people come to the masjid to marvel at it. Just to say, oh wow. Even one of them on the radio, he said, Come and see how this, this masjid, how beautiful it looks. Just marvel at it. What is the masjid just to marvel? Is masjid for uh, as a museum, yani? It's an attraction just to look nice. Even one of the masjid, millions of dollars they paid for the masjid. And how did they justify it? They said, Because the government is going to put it in one of the attractions. That when you come and visit Sydney, they're going to put it in the brochure. That you, this is one, you know, go and visit the Hindu temple, go and visit the Buddhist temple, go and visit the St. Mary's Cathedral, go and visit such and such masjid. It's going to be in the brochure, so people are going to come to visit. Why are they going to visit? Just to look at the beauty, the construction. This is what Rasulullah warned against. We can see all day talking about Rasulullah, how much we love Rasulullah, talking about the seerah of the Prophet and the masjid of the Prophet and how simple the Prophet was and how so on. And then our message, when it comes to us, when it comes to our now test, what are we going to do? All we care about is the firje. All we care about is how it looks. The aesthetics. What are people going to say? People are going to say, oh wow, people are going to come take photos. Is this what Islam is about? Is this da'wah? Is this da'wah? Is da'wah the message of Islam? Wallahi, the message of Islam, people don't care about what the building looks like. If people are convinced with the message of Islam, they don't care about any of these things. Like they didn't care in the time of Rasulullah. In the time of Rasulullah, they had palaces, they had castles. The emperors of Persia and Rome, Wallahi, they're palaces that they had until now people are amazed by it until now people go to the roman ruins and see the beautiful construction they had better than the construction today rasulullah could have made construction like that but that's not important and this is the problem today now we have beautiful masjid we don't want to talk about anything controversial we don't want to be harsh we don't want to be so and so we don't want to you have to be you know fuzzy wuzzy so we don't offend anyone. Then this uh, da'wah is finished. No da'wah because we want to you know, maintain the, the masjid because we invested so much money. We don't want to jeopardize it. We don't want to make problems or whatever or scare people away. We invested all this money all of, for nothing if no one wants to come to it. This is the problem. Anyway, so in the time of the Rasulullah sallallahu what was on the floor? Uh, nice carpet. It had dirt and stones and pebbles. So touching the pebbles, people playing with the pebbles, you know, when you're bored and you fidget, you fidget with whatever's in front of you. Okay? So nowadays people fidget with sometimes the, the carpets and they draw things or so if there's a mat, they play with it or sometimes they fidget with their phones. Rasulullah that uh, this is prohibited, touching stones or fidgeting, even with the sibha, you know, the tasbih the beads, they fidget with it. 
Okay, not everyone who plays with the tasbih beats is actually making tasbih. Sometimes just, uh, you know, some people got ADD. They, they just need something to fidget spinners and whatever. They have tasbih beats. It's not nothing uh, new. So it is prohibited to fidget with these things. This includes fidgeting with the ghutra. Okay, some people they have their headscarf. He puts it on. He puts it up. Flicks it up. Puts it down. Wraps it to the side. Puts it up. All day he just. Changing it. While in the khutbah, this is not allowed. Fidgeting with the ghutra, the headscarf, or clothes. Opening his shirt, closing his shirt. Putting his arms up, putting his arms down. Change, yani just fidgeting with the clothes, or fidgeting with the masjid carpet, or with the siwak, fidgeting with the siwak. Now all of a sudden he wants to have an oral, oral hygiene session. All right? Or fidgeting with his nails. Now all of a sudden he's got to start a manicure and pedicure session. Okay? Or something else like the prayer beads, or his watch, or his pen. Okay? So, yani, some people, they will just look for anything to fidget with. This is prohibited upon the hadith in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet said, Whoever performs wudu and does wudu well, then he comes to the Jum'ah and he listens attentively, will be forgiven his sins between that Jum'ah and the next Jum'ah and three days in addition. Three days in addition to that. But whoever touches the pebbles, fidgets, has engaged in idle action. Uh, if you engage in idle action, what happens to the reward of your Jum'ah? What happened to your calculator? Times zero. Okay. The last point, inshallah, singling out Jum'ah to observe fasting. So this is similar to the point we started with, fasting in, uh, on Jum'ah day, and singling out uh, Jum'ah is a special day, it's a holy day. Why not get extra reward by fasting on Jum'ah day specifically? This is as well a mistake. There are numerous hadith prohibiting singling out Jum'ah for fasting. Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu said, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, None of you should fast on a Friday unless you fast the day before or the day after. The Prophet sallallahu said, which he says, do not sing it out Friday from other days for fasting unless it is part of a fast that one of you regularly observes. So this is what we mentioned earlier as well. Okay, so don't specify Friday. Oh, because it's Friday, I want to fast. Okay, why is Friday? A Friday is just like any other day. Don't single out Friday special from any other day. Okay, but we can single out Monday and Thursday because they have hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. You singling out Friday, where's the hadith about that? Oh, because it's a holy day. Okay, that's from your head, not from what the Prophet ﷺ said. Likewise, there is a prohibition for singling out Friday for fasting in the hadith of Juwayriya bint al Harith, the wife of the Prophet. ﷺ. She said, the Prophet ﷺ visited Juwayriya bint al-Harith on a Friday and she was fasting. He asked her, did you fast yesterday? She said, no. He said, are you intending to fast tomorrow? She said, no. He said, then break your fast. Okay, so we shouldn't 
fast Friday just for the sake of fasting Friday. Unless it's, as we said, there is a reason that we're fasting Friday that's not specific to the day of Friday itself, if it's for another reason. There are many narrations that prohibit this, and the wisdom for this prohibition, Allah knows best, is what has been mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim in his statement, that this is to block the path of attributing something to the religion which is not from it. So, to, so the Prophet forbade that so that we don't introduce bid'ah. And this would necessitate imitating the disbelievers in specifying certain days to make off from worldly work. So, as, as we said, that some people might think to fast Fridays because the Jews fast Saturday and the Christians fast Sunday. So why shouldn't we? They, this is their holy days. Why shouldn't we fast on our holy day? So no, we do not imitate the disbelievers in what they do, even when having our own huh, Islamic form of it. I'll give you an example of that. All right, Christians during Christmas time, what do they put in the corner of their house? And they put a Christmas tree. So Muslims for Eid, what do they want to put? They want to put an Eid tree. Have you ever seen an Eid tree? Are we allowed to do an Eid tree? They say Christians have a Christmas tree, we want to have an Eid tree. You're not allowed to do an Eid tree. Because this is a form of imitating the disbelievers. Even though you're not doing exactly what they're doing, you're copying what they did and you make an Islamic version. Same thing here. The Jews or the Christians fast on their holy day, doesn't mean that you fast on their same holy day. But you make an Islamic version of that, that becomes also a way, a form of uh, imitating them. And it's also a form of innovation. Okay, and this is part of imitating the disbelievers in specifying certain days to take off from worldly work. Added to this is the fact that the virtue of this day Friday over other days is well known. And so the call to fast on this day is strong. Thus, it is presumed that this will lead people to fast on this day and celebrate it in a manner in which other days were not celebrated. Consequently, they will attach something to the religion which was not from it. Okay, so this is, you know, as we said, to, to claim that it's something virtuous to fast on Fridays because it's a special day for Muslims, it's a holy day, then this is at, uh, ascribing to the religion that which is not from it, which is an innovation or a bid'ah. Okay, Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallah wa bihamdik, shalala la ilaha la anta astaghfir wa atubu This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.